This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And we're going to talk a bit about virtual reality, as we've called it, you know, the virtual world. We've talked about that for a long, long time. And the real world. And why we maybe shouldn't be doing that anymore. Uh, digital dualism, the notion that online activity um, and what we refer to as real-world activity are separate and distinct. Online is somehow less real, you know, when we talk about the virtual world. But the barrier between those two places is coming down pretty quickly. There's very little differentiating the two at this point. And what's more, what may start in the online realm quickly and very effectively moves into the so-called real world. So joining us now to talk a bit more about this phenomenon, what it means to us is Shandell Goss, a postdoctoral research associate at Royal Roads University. Uh, Shandell, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time. Hi, Shay. Thank you so much for having me. So did I do an okay job explaining the, the basic yeah. premise here, you know, the, the dangers of differentiating between online and the real world? Yeah, absolutely. I think you nailed that summary. So when we talk about, I mean, that that's what we've done for a very, very long time, right? Since the mm-hmm. internet became such a huge, huge part of our lives, we talked about virtual reality and the online world, and we've always had a pretty clear line, but that line is going away? Yeah, absolutely. And in the article, in the conversation that I posted uh, with, or that I wrote with my colleague, Jacob Hodson at Royal Roads University, we do sort of say that, you know, there was some precedent to make that distinction in the 90s. I think that it was a lot easier for us to go online, to explore our identity, to hide characteristics of ourselves that maybe we didn't want to share with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but more and more, the ability to do that is being erased. And what's more is that it's dangerous to assume that we can still have that ability. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense, Shendel, because we're virtually, well, not virtually, we are online uh, pretty Mm -hmm. much 24-7, right? With the advent of the smartphone and the internet and the way it's integrated into just about everything that we do, we're pretty much living an online life all of the time, most of us. Yeah, and so there's, I mean, I call digital dualism a habit and a discourse, meaning that it's something that we just so instinctually do. We use the term real world or IRL in real life to make a distinction between, you know, the things that we do away from a screen. But, you know, the things that we do away from a screen are still always connected to the things we do in front of our screens. You know, socializing, dating, shopping, banking, healthcare, working, school, so many of the things that are core to our social, political, economic lives are, you know, now require um, a huge component to be online or connected in some way. What's the risk that we're running by continuing to make that distinction between the two? What the, what's the detriment to that? So in my research, I am focused on online abuse and the impact and consequences that has for the people who experience it. And one of the things that I was noticing in my research is that when people seek support uh, after they've been targeted by online abuse, sometimes the, um, you know, health or the therapist they speak to, their friends and family, the perpetrators themselves often say, I don't really know what you're upset about. It's, you know, quote unquote, just online. Why don't you turn off your computer? Why don't you log out of your account? 
Um, and the harm there is the assumption that, you know, maybe you're more vulnerable or less vulnerable online, which is not true, mm-hmm. or that the harm can be switched off as easily as the device itself, which, again, it's not true. These things stay with us. They are, you know, we carry that harm, that hurt with us throughout our day. Um, so that's one aspect. And the other aspect is that when we fail to understand the importance of the con- deep connection between online, what's happening online and how that might impact you know, things that happen offline, we might fail to, you know, miss, well, we miss opportunities to respond to critical threats as they emerge online, which is um, more of what I speak to in the conversation article. Yeah, and when we take a look at that, I mean, the, the examples, the, the, you, you can talk about Pizzagate, you can talk about Christchurch, you can talk about the Capitol, all of those things that basically the fire started online, right, and ended up impacting the quote-unquote real world in a, in a very meaningful way. Yeah, and I think that the most important thing there is, you know, when we talk about things like the Christ uh, the Christchurch massacre, um, or we talk about, um, you know, January sixth, those that's the end result of something that's been building online for a while, and it's that building that I would encourage others to take more seriously to understand the threat of that. So it's not just that. Um, like instead of letting it escalate to the point of of you know these horrific examples that I mentioned in the article, but if we could backtrack and understand that as these discourses emerge online, if we could understand them as actionable, um, as actionable as things that we need to take mm. seriously, as things that we need to act on, then you know we might be able to kind of diagnose cultural ills and problems before they reach this sort of devastating point. And I guess the first step to that, obviously, is. Getting rid of this distinction that well, that's the online. That's the, you know it, it doesn't matter. We have to we have to now recognize what happens online as being just as important as in, and impactful as what happens in the quote unquote real world. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of suggesting that the way that we talk about something influences the way that we treat it, or the way that we talk about people influences the way that we treat them. Um, and I think that a lot of people would agree with that. And so the way that we make a distinction between you know offline life as maybe more real and online life as somehow less real, then that's going to, you know, really easily create a divide in our minds and I think in our, you know, wider culture that the less real doesn't require the same mobilization towards figuring out what's going on um, as things that happen offline. There's also the problem that online things that happen online, it's kind of murky in terms of whose jurisdiction it's under, Mm -hmm. whether police are supposed to take care of it, whether social media companies are supposed to take care of it, whether we need more regulation, whether, um, you know, institutions like employers need to step in. Um, I mean, I think the response needs to come from all of the things I've just mentioned, but it's really easy to shirk responsibility and say it's probably somebody else's problem. Well, and you know what the other thing, Chantal, is it's really hard to get a handle on. I mean, it's it's not like policing the Internet. Um, that's almost an impossible job. I, I don't mm-hmm. know how you would go about it. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and I, I would suggest that I'm not advocating for policing the Internet by any sort of the imagination right. either. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, you know, <laughs> yes, it's hard to try to figure out what to do about these things um, because, as I said, we don't know exactly whose problem it is, um, though I would argue it's everyone's problem. 
but also the types of harm that people experience are so diverse. It's not like when I say online abuse, I'm not, you know, that's a catch-all term for a variety of different harms that impact people in different ways that require different tools that are um, sometimes really clear and obvious, sometimes are insidious and, and covert. And like you said, it's everybody's problem because sooner or later, as we've seen, um, it's going to move into quote-unquote real world and impact all of us. So maybe that's the biggest distinction here is we need to stop making that differentiation and recognize that things that we've seen in the past as being online chatter or whatever are something that we need to be very aware of. Yeah, that would be ideal. I mean, I think that the people who experience online abuse, for example, they don't have the luxury anymore of seeing that distinction, Mm -hmm. but it would be great if we didn't have to get to that point where you weren't a target or a victim before you saw oh, wow, I see, this. these two things aren't very separate. Right. Um, if we could get people on the same page to start talking about these, uh, not just talking about, but also truly understanding the interconnected nature of, of what maybe once were two separate spheres, then I think we'd be in a lot stronger of a place to support people in a variety of different ways when they're harmed online. And, yeah, exactly, and it makes perfect sense. It is the most powerful force of influence in the world right now is what we do on social media and on the internet there's no question about that at this point yeah and i mean when you experience online harm and if you're not comfortable being in online spaces you know you're at a huge disadvantage because so much of what we do requires an online component yeah you can't just shut it off uh a good discussion thanks very much and i appreciate your time i appreciate you having me thank you so much you bet that is uh, shandell goss who is a postdoctoral research associate of interdisciplinary studies at royal roads university